And we are here today, um, E. Michael Jones and me, to discuss the hijab crisis in Iran. Have I got the topic right, Mike? Yes, yes. Good topic. Good topic. And, and from the article that you sent me, you are saying that maybe it's not so bad there um, because it's all um, feminist propaganda that's making the Iranians go wobbly because they've been put on the pill. The women have been put on the pill and, and actually standards of sexual morality are actually quite low um, for a Muslim country. Well, uh, let's 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 back up here. Uh, first of all, I, I think it is very serious. It is a it is a uh, the hijab crisis is basically a CIA orchestrated attempt to overthrow the Islamic Republic. Uh, it's not the first time they've tried this. They tried it in 2009 with the so-called Green Revolution, mm-hmm. and and now they've come back. And uh, as far as I can tell, this is much more serious. Uh, than it was back in 2009. You've got a, a, a situation where it's very difficult for the uh, government to control this because basically any woman can come in, uh, walk out on the street, take off her hijab, and suddenly you've got a revolutionary uprising. It's focused mainly at the universities, uh, which is understandable. Universities are always the basis for revolutions. Uh, because you've got excitable young people who are frustrated and unhappy for various reasons. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I think it's very serious. Uh, the question is, how is the Islamic regime going to deal with it? And um, what I'm trying to say is that I- Iran in particular uh, is faced with two uh, equally repugnant alternatives at this point. Mm-hmm. You have the CIA-sponsored revolution on the one hand, which is leading to anarchy, and you've got the repressive reaction of the Islamic Republic, which is leading toward uh, tyranny. And the Iranians are forced now to choose between anarchy and tyranny, and and you know, when neither one of them is the appropriate response. What would you do if you were um, the supreme leader of Iran? Okay. First of all, if I were the supreme leader, I would uh, abdicate. (laughs) Really? Uh, Yes, I would abdicate. Uh, I would appoint uh, President uh, Ahmadinejad as the uh, new president as as part of my abdication. The uh, Ahmadinejad is the only man who can unify Iran at this point. He's a popular man, is he? He's a man of the people. He proved this when he was mayor of Tehran and he uh, paid for the dowries for poor Muslim women so that they could get married. He was al- he's always been a man of the people. I think he's a Persian patriot. And I think he could lead a movement of Persian nationalism at this moment that would reconcile the two equally repugnant uh, extremes that I already talked about. Uh, I suppose they could launch a propaganda campaign um, to persuade. They're they're going to, uh, someone like Ahmadinejad is going to have to step in because the situation spins out of control. The The regime cannot continue this policy of simply shooting people in the street, uh, this kind of brutal repression of the uprising without making some type of accommodation. And the accommodation, I think, should be a new constitution. Uh, we're go- what, what we're going to have to, the fundamental fact that I think we have to understand in Iran is that the revolution ended in 1989 when the Ayatollah Khomeini died. At Why did you point, say that? Because he was the creator of it. Every institution is the length and shadow of one man, and it was over. You can't but, have a revolution it forever. That, that's Pardon the me? whole point, isn't it? The theocracy um, remains even after the people who created it, it are gone because it's right. created in the name of God, who does Theoc- not die. Right. Theocracy was the name that they that was the category that they imposed on the revolution that no longer existed. 
Uh, and that was the problem. That is precisely the problem. So uh, what they do you were, mean the revolution no longer existed? As long as the Iranians are following the Quran, they have a theocracy, don't they? I just said theocracy is the category that got imposed on Iran after the revolution disappeared, after the revolution evaporated. The revolution was tied up with the Ayatollah Khomeini. It could not exist without the Ayatollah Khomeini. He was the father of the new Iran. He was the father of the revolution, and the revolution died with him. I, 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 uh, so I, I don't understand. Okay, I, mean, I, I understand that you don't understand. Let me, let me go a little bit farther here. The problem here is that in the same year that uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini died, the Ayatollah Khomeini comes to power, and he uh, introduces birth control to the um, to the uh, Islamic Republic. This was a catastrophe mm-hmm. in, in in a number of different ways. First of all, it it it, it tied the ummah. Is that is that the word for the the clergy? It tied uh, the, the, the ulama. I think is is ulama, the clergy, okay. and the ummah okay. is the um um yes um the Muslim people all over the world. Okay, it tied the ulama not only to a theological error, but to a demographic catastrophe. Oh, oh, just like in Japan and the West. Right. So under as, the, as opposed from, warned from, against. From seventy nine to eighty nine, you had a huge demographic surge in Iran. The average family size was between seven and eight children. <clears throat> After the Ayatollah Khomeini died, it plummeted uh, to where it is now, which is below replacement rate. Really? It's the biggest drop in fertility uh, in the history of birth control. And it was the Ayatollah Khomeini who brought it about. Well, this is catastrophic for the legitimacy of the ulama, which basically claims that it's infallible. Well, you can't claim you're infallible when you make a colossal mistake like this. It's impossible. Well, I suppose to be fair to the um, supreme leader Khomeini, um, he could say, well, well, the Quran is silent on the pill and birth control. How was I to the know? Quran, the Quran is completely irrelevant to this because... There was no such thing as a birth control pill when Muhammad wrote the uh, Quran. This has to be a development. You have to ha- have a logos. You have to understand that there is a logos to sexuality uh, before uh, you can, in order to rule properly. And they didn't know this. So I've talked to mullahs. I talked to a mullah in Qom. I tried to have a discussion about the logos of sexuality. I got nowhere. His conclusion was once you start a Coke, doesn't mean you have to finish a Coke. That was that was that's what he said. And well, what did what, he mean? Was he talking about the withdrawal method? I think so. I think he was talking about coitus interruptus as uh, a form of birth control. It was totally stupid. And at that point, the uh, the cameraman jumped in and said, I think you're wrong. So the cameraman knew more about theology than, than the mullah at this point. This is a disaster for a, a, a regime which claims that it's infallible. They lost their credibility here. So how – look, what, what am I trying to do here? I am trying to preserve Iran from a, another CIA takeover of the kind that happened in 53. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm a friend of the Iranian people. And I'm trying to say it's not you can't do it simply by gunning down every woman who takes off the hijab in public. You can't do it that way. We're going to have to have something. They have to take the initiative right now. Yes, a modus operandi. What what they have to do at this point is take the initiative, because even if they suppress the uprising this time, Chances are they're not going to be successful the next time. And I guarantee you there's going to be a a next time because these women have been infected with feminism. And the problem is it was the Ayatollah Khomeini who created the infection by allowing birth control. 
Yes. By allowing birth control. So you've got a situation where the Iranian women are wearing the hijab and they got this birth control pill frying their fertility in, in their uterus at this point. That's a contradiction that has become intolerable. So it's one or the other. Either you stop taking the pill or you stop wearing the hijab. Or, or, or you the restrict you, you you restrict the supply of the pill. So so this is an idea that I I actually mentioned to to um, Greg Johnson when I spoke to him a few days years ago, and and it is this: you can control the supply of the pill and only give it to married mothers who are deemed by the state to have completed their family. So so um, spinsters don't get it. Um, you know, and, and, and mothers who, are, who are, are deemed not to compete at their families don't get it. But once they have, um, then they get it. And, and, and the number at which you are deemed to have com completed your family can go up and down. But I imagine to, to keep things stable, it must be two. You must replace yourself before you decide not to have right. any more children. Yeah. And is, it can go well, up. It can go up to four or five. I mean, right. theory. This is this is known as uh, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's what you're doing here because you've admitted the lyseity of contraception, which is immoral. It is a violation of the logos of sexuality. And if you, you can't have part way here, you can't be half pregnant or half unpregnant here. You have to deal with the situation with moral clarity because you've got to restore the idea that women are supposed to have children. That's that's lost now because it's lost in this feminism. When I was there, every they're bragging about all these women who are now studying nuclear physics. With in Iran. The, yes. Well, I suppose that they're being infected by the ideas of the West and the West is to blame because it's the number well america's the number one superpower and it it's well it's the global empire that is now currently in charge and all the other lesser nations cannot but help think well that's the, the most powerful nation so we have to follow what they do right that is that's it's understandable when the shah does this because the shah is an american puppet but now you've got the exact opposite group doing the same thing unaware of the chaos that they are spreading in their own Islamic Republic. This is the tragedy, the tragedy of the ulama in Iran right now. They don't <coughs> understand that they're destroying their own country by doing this. What was the reason um, Khomeini gave for, for giving, for putting a, a Iranian women on the pill? Because of the high birth rate. They were worried, they, they had they internalized the commands of their oppressors. They started thinking like the Rockefellers or like Bill Gates, that there were too many Iranians and they couldn't feed them. And so they had to cut back on the population surge. This is oh, oh, right. I mean, actually, there is a verse in the Quran that, that says, do not kill your children for fear of poverty and, and do not kill your, your, you know, and do not practice female infanticide. But but I suppose that 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 may be a little kind of off off target, um, because that that um, prohibition really applies to to um, parents who who think oh oh not another kid I, I can't afford any any more mouths to feed, right. but but um, perhaps um, Khamenei didn't think it applied to him in in terms of government policy. But but I think this is this has always been a problem for 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 even ancient countries like China. You, you may have heard of this um, yin, this concept of yin and yang, and and and, right. and right, Claire, Claire, you you think like an Englishman. This is the problem. Islam doesn't really replace this type of thinking. It, it does. It's irrelevant. So my my experience there was uh, Yvonne Ridley, very similar to your situation. She's a journalist. She's covering the story in Afghanistan. She gets captured by the Taliban and uh, she has a bad case of Stockholm syndrome. She becomes a Muslim because she was captured by the Taliban. So she comes back and now there are lots of Muslims in England now. So she kind of fits in. And so there we are. We're sitting in front of the Basiji. 
the women's branch of the Basiji, which is the Revolutionary Guard, the bulwark against counter-revolution. All of these ladies are sitting there wearing their chadars and hijab. Yvonne is sitting next to me wearing her chadar and hijab. And I said, ladies, throw away your birth control pills. And at this point, Yvonne blows up and she turns to me and says, you just want to keep these people barefoot, barefoot and pregnant. pregnant. That's Chained right. to That's the a- kitchen sink. That's exactly what she said. And the, the, the Basiji ladies are appalled at her impoliteness because they're the most polite people in the world. And they all ran up to me after the talk and they all want my email address and so on and so forth because I addressed the actual situation. Yvonne, there are no half measures here, no half measures. And the problem with problem with uh, Yvonne was that she still thinks like an English woman even after she became a Muslim. What, what do you mean by, by half measures? You, you're, 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 you're saying Yvonne you're, is still feminist even after converting to Islam? Is that what you mean? What, yes. what do you mean? Yes, exactly. She's like the, 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 the Aesop fable, the lady who's in bed. Uh, it looks like a woman, but she's really a cat. How do you know? Well, a mouse runs across the room and she jumps <laughs> up and chases the mouse. <laughs> That's exactly what Yvonne was. She looked like a Muslim, but she was really an English woman who still had all of the English woman prejudices about birth control. That's an English phenomenon. It's a wasp phenomenon. This idea, it comes from people who live on islands like Malthus, who lived on one island, uh, England, and was talking about another island, I, island named Ireland. And he's the guy who came up with this crazy idea of population control. The English have never gotten over it. They've never gotten over it. And even when Yvonne converts to Islam, she's still an English woman who believes in Malthus. Well, well the, the, the thing is, Mal- what was Malthus saying? He, he, I think he, he was saying, um, don't worry about the population, because eventually, um, if there's too many of him, you, um, um, you know, you'll be dealt with by war, famine, or pestilence. So, you know, just just carry on breeding and go forth and multiply. Wasn't that what he was really saying? I'm not sure. And and they carried it out with the Irish when they let the Irish starve to death in the mid 19th century, because it's basically your own damn fault that you don't have any food. Well, that was crazy. That was not the issue in Ireland. England was exporting food as the Irish were starving. So it's always been a justification for the rich exterminating the poor. But but, but surely during the Irish potato famine, um, because of the situation of the famine in Ireland, they went to America. So America gained all these Irish. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a I'm a a product of the Irish potato famine. Uh, Absolutely. I'm a little bit later, but the famine never stopped. That's the whole point of the famine. They continued throughout the 19th century. The but, worst but, but, part, the worst part was the winter of uh, uh, was 46, 47. Uh, but uh, it continued. And you're right. I am the main product export product from Ireland was Irishmen. And so so you were the, 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 the silver lining in that particular Irish cloud. Well, if you can call me a silver lining, I guess that's that's true. But, but the thing is, it's unpredictable. But, but also empires can only um, come into being when there is a population bulge. I mean, the Vikings were, you know, they they, they didn't, I mean, they, they had a population bulge in, in, in Scandinavia, didn't they? And then they, they, they had no space for each other and they were basically kicked out with all these Vikings saying to their sons, well, this here town ain't big enough for the both of us. You've got to go somewhere else to seek your fortune. And and um, the Highland Clearances were, were, was working on the same principle. And as for the British Industrial Revolution, um, it only happened because there happened to be um, a population explosion, which, which you know, sent all those peasants into the cities to become factory workers and that was what caused the prosperity of Britain then Look, and, and presumably that, Claire, that's what, what is meant by demographics as destiny. Claire, you're talking to a guy who believes that labor is the source of all value. 
I wrote a book on that, on economics. That's the fundamental principle, which means that a demographic surge is good. It's good thing because labor, these are people, young people, they become workers and they produce value. And that's why people never starve to death because of overpopulation. There's always a productivity involved in this. That's and it's true. biblical, isn't it? Go forth and yes. multiply, but of within wedlock. Of course it is. It's completely biblical. It's the essence of uh, the Catholic Church's understanding of population and population control. But that is not what the English think. The English are always worried about rising populations in other people. And when the English come over to America, they're known as the wasp elite, and they're worried about differential fertility, which means the, the, which means that those Catholics are having more children because they don't use birth control. And so this created a civil war in the United States uh, against the Catholic Church. Because uh, you can't just talk about Americans. You have to talk about the ethnic division in America and the use of population control by one group to destroy or maim the other group. So um, so basically, the, the, the Pope, uh, as far as I know, ha has still been saying, don't don't use a pill, don't use contraceptives. But but Catholics ignore him. I, I mean, the, the official papal um, decree is, is 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 still don't use don't use condoms, don't use a pill. Is, is that the situation? Mike? Yes, absolutely. The, the uh, church. The, this is the difference between the ulama in Iran and the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church claims to be infallible. And if there were ever a time when there was pressure to abandon the classical teaching on uh, birth control, it was in 1969 when Pope Paul VI issued a statement reaffirming the traditional position. So in spite of all the pressure, in spite of Rockefeller being coming over to Rome with Father Hesburgh and telling Paul VI that he's willing to write his birth control encyclical for him, uh, the Pope held firm and the Catholic Church held firm. Now, the fact that Catholics don't follow uh, the teaching of the Church uh, is the, all you're doing is saying that the Catholic Church is full of sinners and no one's going to dispute that fact. That's why we have the sacrament of confession. But but surely the, pro the, the problem would be solved on a nation to nation basis is um, they all became Muslim, so they stopped worrying about who, whether they're more Catholics or Protestants, and and then the government would control the birth rate by by um, giving the pill only to mothers who have completed their family, uh, whatever the number the government the deems fit, and 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 also to prostitutes who will be working in legal, um, in licensed brothels. I think there, that there, you continue to talk like an Englishman. You're not you're not talking like a Muslim. And besides, they did do this. They did exactly what you said in Iran and it blew up in their face. And that's why we have the crisis in Iran. The 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 supreme leader made a mistake. He admitted that he made a mistake. He in 2010, he issued a statement saying it was the biggest mistake he had ever made in his life. And he begged Allah for forgiveness. Well, that's but, but, but the situation could be retrieved by, by him doing as I suggest, he, he, by, by saying, um, we're, we're not going to give you the pill now if you're not married and you haven't completed your family. Claire, we've, Sorry. We've already, I've already dealt with this. You're, you're beating a dead horse, Claire. It doesn't work. If it, but he hasn't the, done what the, I said. The, the Supreme Leader did exactly what you said and it didn't work. That's that's the source of the crisis. The CIA is simply exploiting a weakness that is already there. That is, and the Supreme Leader is responsible for that weakness. That so, so what is the situation? That discredits the ulama as an infallible authority. And it means we have to make some type of radical constitutional change in the Islamic Republic and go back to a, 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 a Persian, a Persian republic okay but, go but back the, the we, need, you... we, we need a persian nationalist like ahmadinejad to take control of the situation and save iran for the persian people i i 
I, I just wanted to clarify the situation with you. Now, if I were a single woman in Iran, could I could I just go on the pill, even though I'm not married? What is the situation, really? I'm sure you sure you can. Sure. They have a, they have a venereal disease problem in Iran. It's obvious that people are acting out on, on these principles. You act out uh, because you have lost faith in the future. That well, is that, why. And then, and then that, you see the West is, wait, is wait, wrong. That is why people stop having children. I've talked to a friend of mine who is uh, has two children. He's ridiculed by all of his friends because he has children. This is stupid. Why are you doing this? These people have lost faith in the future because they have a, they can't resolve the crisis. They don't have the tools. So he told me there's a saying. I don't speak Farsi, but he said it's a saying in Farsi, which is basically I have a saw up my ass and it hurts when it goes in and it hurts when it comes out. That's what they're saying. I, I apologize for the crudity, but that, that's not. You know, it's their saying he's the one who told me that that is precisely the dilemma in Iran right now. They have a crisis and they don't have the tools to resolve the crisis. If they had the tools, they would have resolved it. I'm well, saying well, they I'm, have the tools. I'm saying they, they, they have the tools. So, so what, what, what are what they? You, what are the tools? Are you talking just, about just by tools? regulating the, the supply of the pill? So, so you only get go on the pill if you say, well, I'm a prostitute, I need to go on the pill, or I've completed my family, give me the pill. Still talking like an English woman, Claire. You haven't gotten over it. You're still, you're still English. You're not, you're not talking I'm like a Muslim. Practical. That's not practical. I don't know That's any English. Only, only an English woman would say that this is practical. The, you know what the fundamental problem with the English is? They can't think philosophically. They, they were wrecked. Their, their culture was wrecked by William of Ockham in the Middle Ages, and they have never recovered from nominalism. They have never recovered. And I, it's afraid, worse. I, I don't understand. I hope you will explain what you meant by by nominalism and Ockham. Claire, there's I wrote a book called Logos Rising. I, 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 it's in the book. I, I, I would need a, a significant amount of time to make this. But basically, all I'm saying is that uh, it, with uh, Occam, all categories became categories of the mind and there were no categories of reality, including the mind of God. And so what you had was the creation of basically the Islamic God. The Isla Occam imposed the Islamic God on Europe and he had a uh, which meant that uh, you had Islam. Catholicism was threatening to become Islam, which is basically we know nothing about God. And so all we can do is submit to his inscrutable will. That's the net result. And the man who was the best implementer of Occamist philosophy was Martin Luther, who believed that the will was enslaved. Lutheranism was, in a sense, Islamic Christianity. Because you can't say anything about God. All you can do is submit to his will. And so Christianity becomes, religion simply becomes a question of the will. That's the problem. That's but, 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 but I think you must be aware that the, the Jews and Muslims think the Trinity is idolatry. And, and Protestantism still accepted the Trinity. So it, it didn't change anything. So, so really, Claire, the wars of the Claire, Reformation was, Claire, was the Catholic Church saying, Claire, we have the right to tell you what to do, um, Claire, King. You're talking like an Englishman once again. First of all, the Trinity changed every. Claire, I, I hate to say this, but the problem with the English is their ethnocentrism. They live on an island. They can't think philosophically. I don't want, you know, I don't want, some of my best friends are English, okay? And we, I, I'm thinking of creating a 12-step program for recovering Englishmen. When it comes All to right. Well, like well this, I mean, please, you know, consider me as one of your, your You'll be um, the students. first one, Claire. You will be the first one I'll admit into my 12-step uh, program for recovering Englishmen. But I, I still don't. You, so you're, you're basically blaming everything on 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 Henry VIII and and Martin Luther. You're, you're blaming everything that's gone wrong in the West on on, Pro, on on the Protestants. Is that your your philosophical position? Yes. Mike? Yes. In a crude way, uh, if you want to have a talking point, the answer is yes. The England has never recovered from the Reformation. 
never recovered. The, the Reformation in England was nothing but a looting operation. It was the theft of church property by the uh, upstart aristocracy who had their teeth in the carcass and they weren't going to be whipped off by a sermon. There is no theological justification whatsoever for the Reformation in England. It was theft, pure and simple. It was looting. And England has never recovered because when the Reformation took place, that was the end of any English understanding of the common good. And after that, it got replaced by a class structure where basically you had the Whig oligarchs uh, creating the Bank of England and they became tax eaters. This is William Cobbett's phrase. And everyone else became tax payers. England but there were taxes never, under Catholicism. Oh, Claire, would you? Claire, oh, Claire. Oh. I, I don't know. Yes, there were taxes before, but taxes got weaponized with the Bank of England because of usury, and England has never recovered. Islam must be the solution then, because, okay, there would have been no need for the English Reformation. Henry would have just been able to marry, take on as many as three wives, and, and, and be all right in the eyes of Islam. So so you can trace everything that has gone wrong in the West to, to the fact that the, the Europeans were, were Christians. Claire... Occamism is Islam. It's the English version of Islam, and it wrecked the philosophical thought of all of Europe. And the class uh, leading to Martin Luther, leading to the Reformation. But Occam, Occam is proposing the Islamic God for Europe. That is the whole point. I'm sure he never he said no such thing. Did he really say anything like Claire, that? Claire, you when, when, when his, you his when, when you uh, you didn't even know who William of Ockham was until I mentioned his name, and now you're well, telling me I know me about that, Ockham's razor and 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 the the principle of preferring right. the simplest. Um, right. You um, don't know anything, and now yeah. you're telling me that he would never propose any such thing when you don't know anything. Well, I have read something about him, perhaps only on Wikipedia, but but I'm sure there's no mention of Ockham promoting Islam and doing Dawa. I said the Islamic God. He proposed the Islamic God. Well, is it the Islamic Europe? God the Jewish God? Because Judaism and Islam are agreed on the oneness of God, and it's only Christians who are the odd one out because they believe no. in Trinitarian in Trinitarianism. Uh, no, it's not the Jewish God. No, it's not the Christian God. Again. Again, you can deem. Uh, yes, the problem with uh, Islam is that demonized the Trinity. And if you look at the, but history, the Jews do that too. That's right, and they have their own problem. Okay, the Jews rejected Jesus Christ. They hate Logos. the The Muslims, because of that, because of that rejection, the Muslims never really got to understand uh, the Logos. It was short-circuited. The Islamic world made contact with what they thought was Christianity, but it was really Nestorianism. And what Nestorian was Nestorianism? It doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is true God and true man. So my my friend, uh, the late Nader Talabzada, actually did a film on the life of Christ, and it's the Nestorian God. So the Nestorian God is basically, uh, the Nestorian understanding of Christ is that basically uh, he didn't get crucified. He didn't suffer. They put an imposter in there in his place uh, because they couldn't uh, because they didn't understand that the, the idea of the Trinity. They couldn't understand how God could suffer. And so they said, well, he didn't suffer. This is a, a kind of classic Islamic simplification of a sophisticated concept that they kind of got from Christianity, like the Trinity. <laughs> Well, well, I, I think that this this um, Islamic narrative of of Jesus not being crucified has has a moral purpose, and I, I and 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 I would like to um, put it to you. So, um, why why would all these Christians who claim to love Jesus not be delighted that Jesus didn't die horribly on the cross? Right, Saint Peter was one of them. When when Jesus Christ told Saint Peter. Uh, uh, that he was had to suffer and die, St. Peter said, no, no way, I'm going to stop it. I'll stop it. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. 
because you're stupid. You're thinking like men. You're not thinking like God. God had to come, had to die, had to suffer as the expiation for our sins. And that's it. And uh, there are certain groups. Is Islam is a Christian heresy. It's a simplification of the gospel. Uh, and it's a, a falsification of the gospel. And they basically uh, isolated themselves from the train of Logos. The train of Logos left the station without them. But but why why would anyone want to continue believing in the Trinity when they have the option of Islam, which is easier to understand and easier to Absolutely. operate? Absolutely. So Einstein once said, I want to make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. And this is a classic example of the Trinity. Of course, we want to make things as simple as possible. But God is not something that you can simplify. God is what he is. And it turns out his being is a lot more complicated than anything we can experience on this earth. And that's why it took Christianity about 300 years to hammer out these distinctions. The most sophisticated minds of their age who had to speak Greek to be part of the discussion hammered out the, the implications of the gospel of St. John, which introduced the idea when it said in the beginning there was Logos, Logos is with God, and Logos is God. This is had to work out these implications, and because if you don't, you don't have a clear understanding of creation or the universe, and if you don't have that, you will never have science. That's the issue. So it came down to why didn't science develop in the Islamic world? But it did, and then they, they, they became decadent and forgot all about that. And then the Europeans you know, took that bit of, of it, Islamic learning with them. But, but I think the Trinity can be explained. May, may I attempt to explain how the Trinity came to be the preferred version of Christianity? Um, I, I, it's a conclusion I recently came to, and I would like to try it out on you. I suppose you know that Constantine, who made Christianity his imperial religion, was an Arian, don't you? Uh, no, I don't know that. But go ahead, continue. I know what Arianism is, so continue. Yes, and 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 his son was also an Arian, and and. Um, the Council of Nicaea was called on, on in, in 325, the year 325, when Constantine was basically saying, oh dear, Rome seems to be collapsing. There was just a year of the five emperors. Um, obviously, the Roman religion is failing and I need a new one. Oh, there is this Christianity thing going around. Um, I know I'll get all the Christian bishops to come to Nicaea, get them to agree on a doctrine, and then off I go. I can become, I'll, I'll institute Christianity in my, in my empire. So he called them to Nicaea. They couldn't agree. There was a split between the Arians and the Trinitarians. That You're was right. a problem. You're right. There was a split. There was a, a huge battle. <laughs> and I mean battle in terms of people actually drawing weapons and killing other people, it's obviously a clear, uh, there was no separation of church and state at this time. Mm -hmm. And so one or the other of these groups was going to bring down the empire. One or the other was a revolutionary group. So which was it? Was it the Arians or was it the Christians? Was it well, the well, Catholic the, position? Yes, and, and the Arians won um, until, until the Edict of Thessalonica in the year 380, when, when it was stated in the Edict that anyone who wasn't Trinitarian would be persecuted and Trinitarianism would be supreme over all kinds of Christianity. Yes, you're talking like a Muslim because you're talking as if this is purely a question of political power. And the caliph can impose his will on the religion. That is exactly what happened to Islam. Uh, they, they could not handle discussion of the sort that the Catholic Church could handle and did handle. There was a philosophical issue driving this thing that had political implications. It wasn't a political issue with philosophical in, in, uh, implications. You're looking through the wrong end of the telescope. Well, I think... 
I mean, it, okay, this is just my little idea about why why Arianism was was the preferred one because it's easier to believe. Yes, you're right. You are absolutely right. That is, I I agree with you one hundred percent. So Arius 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 came up Arius came up with a very plausible position. He mm. said if if Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then there was a time when he was not. <laughs> if, if there was a time when he was not, then he is not God. He is a creature. That's a very plausible argument. It's Indeed. wrong, though. It's wrong. Okay. So so uh, could I just put it to you of oh, the, the, the reasons why Trinitarianism eventually won? The, the the argument and i think it is this they must have had arguments with well non-christian people and as we know christianity was appropriated from from the jews i mean the god of israel was the most powerful god conceivable and and i think everybody wanted a piece of that because they thought well that this very powerful idea will will help me run my country better and constantine was no different and um but but of course the christian doctrine had to be clarified and and uh, as you say uh, um, um constantine and his son preferred Arianism because it was easier to believe and but Trinitarianism is is well you know kind of um uh, well it's it's hard to believe but but I think right, Trinitarianism is because let of theological arguments. Let, let me just say at this point you are absolutely right when you say Arianism is easier to believe. I've already given you the argument. That is true. The only problem is it doesn't correspond to God and the, the understanding of God that we have to have if we understand, want to understand his nature and beyond that, the nature of the universe. It's great. Let's just say, I'll give you an example. Do you know what pi is? 33.333, et cetera. Okay. It goes on forever, okay? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a decimal that goes on forever. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just make pi equal to three? Doesn't that sound like a good idea? That, that, that's a kind of that's a kind of Islamic idea. I don't want to badmouth Islam, but from your point of view, that would be a great Islamic solution to the problem of pi and all those numbers. Only well, rounding is, up or rounding down. I say that again. Rounding up or rounding down. It, it's not even Islamic particularly, is it? Yes, you're missing the analogy as usual. Okay, but I'm saying if you reduce pi to three, it's much simpler to do calculation, but your calculations will always be wrong. Indeed, indeed. So, you can, so wait, stop. So you cannot reduce, you cannot make it simpler than it is. And that is precisely the point of the Trinity. You cannot make God simpler than he is, simply to fit into your Procrustean bed of understanding. <laughs> But I haven't even told you what, why, why I think the Trinitarians won the, won the argument. And, and I'm saying that, that these Christians would have theological arguments with Jews. And, and Jews would be saying, no, 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 your God is dead and ours lives on. The one who created the universe. And, 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 and therefore... The Christians would be left with, oh, oh, yes, it is true, um, um, Jesus. Well, he wasn't God. There was a time when he wasn't when he wasn't God's son because he had, you know, and and, and all those logical points arose. And but but anyway, they decided that right. Well, it seems that um, Jesus is lower status than than his father, and and the Jews will just be forever talking about this. So what we're going to do is we're going to make Jesus. Co-equal with God and the Holy Spirit, Claire, Claire, and, there, is, uh, and, and, and that, that that is the mystery of the Trinity solved for everyone. This is the purely hypothetical creation of your mind. It doesn't deal with the reality of the situation then or now. So if you're asking me, do I accept this hypothetical construct of your mind? I'm saying no, I don't. You need to come up with something factual of the sort that I have come up with. This is not going to work here. Well, what was factual is that there were doctrinal disagreements between the Arians and the Trinitarians. I told you what they were. I've given you the best argument that you need to uh, argue for day. Arianism. 
They persist to the to this day because the Ary, the, the, the modern day Aryans would be the Jehovah's Witnesses and they've always been kicked around, haven't they, by the Trinitarians because the Trinitarians represented the established church, the of, of mainstream Christian Christianity. And that's why the Trinitarians would represent the most powerful churches Claire, in the world. Claire, the Anglican this, Church, this, the Catholic Church, the is, Orthodox this, Church. This is, this is the Islamic understanding of the world, okay, which is basically that the caliph is the final, has the final say. Okay, God, God, wait, God, let me finish, let me finish. God is an exalted caliph. That's what happened to Islam. The mm -hmm. Maimonides said that uh, when the caliph goes for a ride, he comes to the gate of his palace grounds and he doesn't know whether he's going to take a turn to the left or to the right. Well, that's the Islamic God. There's no, there's no Logos in this God, or if there is, we can't know it. And so our duty is simply to subject ourselves to his will. That's not gonna work. No, we just follow his laws. That that's how we submit to his will. That that, that was what the Jews thought, and and that's what the you know Muslims thought. But but you're Christians, right. you're right. If you submit to logos, you are following the will of God. That's exactly the point that I'm trying to make, and that is the point of Saint John's Gospel when he says logos is God. You're absolutely right. But that is not the Islamic understanding or the alchemist understanding. They are saying that there is no Logos there. If there is, we can't know it. And so our duty is simply to subject our wills to an arbitrary God who doesn't, like like the Caliph, doesn't know whether he's gonna make a right turn or a left turn when he leaves the palace grounds. God is an exalted Caliph in Islam. That's the problem. Surely nobody dares to think that God doesn't know whether he's gonna go right or left when he leaves his palace. He's supposed to be all-knowing and all-seeing. I'm, I'm not sure I understand your point. I'm, I, I'm, I agree with you. I'm not sure you understand what I'm saying. I think I agree 100% with you. You're, t uh, I, I, I'm, you're, I'm dumbfounded here. Okay, this is, this is, this is Maimonides' description of the Islamic God. That's what we're talking about here. Okay. Uh, there is the difference is that you have clear uh, the difference is uh, that whether uh, will takes priority over logos or logos takes priority over will. Islam went in one direction because the caliph simply uh, ended all discussion of theology and prohibited any further discussion when he basically said there are I think it's nine versions of the Quran. They're all contradictory and they're all true. And anyone who disagrees with me, will, we will take him out and chop his head off. That had a catastrophic effect on the development of Logos in the Islamic world. It was the, uh, the Asherites uh, then took over at this point and you had the eclipse of reason and there, uh, a, a dark night settled on the Islamic soul. In Iran, which was conquered, uh, Persia conquered by the Arabs, uh, for two centuries, they were stunned and there was silence. No one knew what to say. Uh, they were afraid of getting their head chopped off. And eventually, Logos reemerged in Iran as poetry. Because poetry is art. Uh, you're not going to get your head chopped off for advocating wine, women, and song. And that has been the problem, or the, conversely, you could say that's the salvation of Iranian culture because it helped preserve Farsi. Uh, unlike other countries in Northern Africa, which adopted Arabic as their language, the Persians never gave up on their language. And they speak Farsi to this day, and they can recite poetry to this day. That has kept Logos alive in Iran to this day. That is the essence of Persian identity, the essence of Iranian identity. I'm saying we're going to have to go back to that to work out some type of way out of the the, the conflict that they're in right now where they're forced to choose either anarchy or tyranny. 
Well, the, the, they should choose a sensible interpretation of the Quran that, that doesn't go against its principles, you know, in the way that I've suggested. I, I, I'm saying that the Quran actually um, tolerates brothels. So, so you know, if if, if you think uh, the Iranian government thought, you know, if, if I let pe- the Iranians have sex, they're less likely to um, have a revolution. As you seem to be saying, you know, that the Jews sent um, broadcast um, pornography to the Palestinians to start, you know, to 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 take their mind off things um, that that might be, uh, you know, a kind of Marxist equivalent of, you know, um, extramarital sex is the opium of the people that that might, you know, stop us from. Um, I did this. I, I I went from one end of Iran to the other, talking about the Palestinians coming in and broadcasting pornography and c- c- explaining that pornography is a weapon that is will be used to destroy Iranian culture. I've already done this. I've already done this. And 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 some people just want me to come back and say it over again. Uh, but that was ten years ago when I did that. And now I think it's destroying I, the West. And and also Israel or, or any or any country because it 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 means that widespread illegitimacy will 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 just be common in in all countries and and that is degenerate so people will just get well stupider and weaker and more corrupt and more yep. criminal. That's the problem. That's the problem. The question is how do we deal with this problem? By the, the, by, the hijab, by the punishing by... unmarried parents as Islam does. As a Quran does, a hundred lashes. Look, look, Claire. If you want, if you feel you have a better solution to the crisis in Iran, go over there and uh, volunteer. Okay, I'm saying that these half measures are rearranging the deck on deck chairs on the Titanic. This Titanic is going down. We can't do something superficial anymore. We have to get to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is that there is a logos to sex and there is a logos to the universe. And we have to come back to that as the norm that governs Iran. That is the crisis. That's what I'm proposing. You propose what you want. Go over there. They'll probably welcome you as a fellow Muslim with open arms and you can work it out with them. I'm just I don't agree. The time for half measures is over. I, I'm We're not a Muslim, to be fair. Um, I, I'm saying this could work in, in, in any country, you know, just by regulating the supply of the pill. And, and giving this is English. I, I keep telling you, this is you're speaking like an English woman. This is ridiculous. This is over. Have you been paying attention to history, the history of the past 50 years? Do you, you're talking what, as if the history it, of wait, feminism. Wait, wait. You're talking as if it's 1963. And Time magazine announced the year of the pill and everything's going to be fine. The pill wrecked American culture. America has never recovered. So don't pretend that it's 1963 anymore. No, I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm saying. Yes, you are. You are are pretending that it's night. I'm sorry. 1964. That was the year of the pill, according to Time magazine. You don't stop pretending. We know too much. To talk, uh, we can't talk this way anymore. Of yeah, we'll regulate, we'll give these pills to these people, and you you can have five or you can have four, or blah blah blah. That doesn't work. It failed. It's well, over. It was never tried. Of course, it was tried. What are you crazy? Have Who you heard of tried? have you have you heard of the Rockefellers? Have you heard of population control? Have you heard of Planned Parenthood? Where have you been? It's been tried and failed for 50 years now. Where have you been? I'm saying that that obviously. Have you have you heard about the United Nations Fund for Population Control? Have you heard about what happened to India when they handed out transistor radios to peasants there in exchange for getting a vasectomy? Where have you been, Claire? This is all old news. This is 50 years old, and you still don't even know that it happened. We can't go back to that. It's been tried, and it failed. We need new measures. And and what do you propose? Logos. I want to go to Iran and have this discussion. I need to have this discussion. I need to go to there and say, ladies, I I understand your problem. And this is what it is. And we've been talking about all the things we've been talking about before. There's a logo, ladies, there's a logos to sexuality. It's fertility, fertility 
childbearing is part of sexuality. You can't neuter that God-given gift without horrendous social consequences of the sort you are experiencing right now. This is the discussion I would like to have in Iran. And Allah, if Allah wills it, it will happen. Well, yes, I understand. But but there is, you know, this horror of, of some people thinking that if every time I have sex, I have a child, I might have, well, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of offspring. How many which, children, Claire, how many children do you have? Not that many, one. Okay, I have five I have 21 grandchildren. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But the point here is that uh, in addition to uh, the theoretical teachings that I've already been talking about, I've had practical experience and practical experience simply doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I don't want to get into the details of human sexuality. I don't want to embarrass anyone here, but it simply doesn't work that way. The the pill did not create a paradise of free love. It created resentment on the part of women who were frying their fertility in the interest of the Rockefellers, and they were angry, and the result was feminism. Feminism is anger. It's guilt over abortion. It's all of these things being mobilized now by the Democratic Party. And that's why, for example, that that a guy who was brain damaged in Pennsylvania got elected that state senator. That is all the result of abortion. It's Catholic women who had abortions and now vote like Jews. You mean Democrats vote? Sorry, Jews vote Democrat. Is is that Catholic women uh, uh, of my generation uh, were educated in schools run by nuns? The nuns all became feminists. The girls, as a result, who were their students, all started acting out sexually. When you do that, chances are you're going to get pregnant. When you get pregnant, uh, you have the option now of having an abortion. If you have an abortion, you have killed your own child and you will be saddled with guilt for the rest of your life. Now, there are two options, especially if you're a Catholic. You can go to confession, say, I'm sorry, and God will forgive your sin. And you can come back and be a normal human being and you will never get that child back. But you can have a normal life and you can if you persevere, you can go to heaven. The other option is I am never going to go back. Uh, I am moving forward. I am going to join with other Catholic women who had abortions and we're going to have a mass movement and we're going to support the Jews because abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. Abortion is a Jewish sacrament. That's what happened in Pennsylvania (laughs) the day day before yesterday. It's still relevant here, as relevant here as it is in Iran. Could you explain what you mean by abortion being a Jewish sacrament? I I haven't I don't quite understand that. I know. Uh, So uh, after Roe versus Wade was overturned, 140 Jewish organizations who knew they had that many. They they all declared that abortion abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. Okay. how shocking. And then they went on to say, if you prohibit, if you are anti-abortion, you are anti-Semitic because you're preventing us from practicing our religion. Now, I agree with the Jews. I think that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. And when they say this uh, fundamental Jewish value, I am saying the word sacrament. It's a Catholic term. Obviously, Jews don't have sacraments. But if they did, this would be one of their sacraments. Why do I say uh, a sacrament? Which sacrament is it? Abortion is Jewish baptism. This is how you well, enter. Wait, I'm sure is, the Torah says nothing about that. No, no who the said the Torah? If the Torah were normative for Jews, they'd all be Catholics. The <laughs> Jews are in rebellion against the Torah, whatever the Torah permits Whatever the Torah forbids, the Talmud permits. You can't make the mistake of saying that the Torah is somehow normative for Jew for Jews. It is not. If if abortion is a fundamental Jewish value, and I agree that it is, I agree with the Jews when they say that, then the Jews do not worship Yahweh, they worship Moloch. 
the first thing that happened after the Jews were released from the bondage in Egypt is they wandered into the Sinai and they worshipped the golden calf. There's and a then seg- they were executed. They, they, they're, oh, Claire, Claire, oh. There is a segment of the Jewish population that has always worshipped Moloch. They were the people at the time of Moses who did it. It's all the way up to the day. And the people who are saying that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value are the descendants of those Moloch worshippers. Would they be reformed Jews? It's the entire spectrum from liberal to conservative. That is the whole point I'm trying to make. The The Jews are unanimous. I mean, the Jews are never going to be unanimous. There's always some Jews going to say, no, I disagree with that. That's great. But 140 That's because Jewish, they don't have a pope. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And they don't have a pope. They don't have a magisterium, which means the majority rules. And I'm saying the majority has said that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. Okay, and, and it came out of nowhere anyway. But, but, but aren't these Jews just kind of being the goody two shoes to liberals wanting to be patted on the head by Gentile liberals. It's not a liberal or conservative thing. It's a Jewish thing. It's both liberals and conservatives uniting, saying that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. That that is true. That means that when Roe versus Wade was uh, handed down by the Supreme Court, the Jews imposed their religion on the people of America by allowing abortion. That's what they want back. They want it back. Uh, and this is how they think they're going to get it back. And it's not going to happen. The end of Roe is the beginning of the end of Jewish hegemony over American culture. It's happening as we speak. So you you, you think that liberal Jews who are the majority should represent jury. Didn't you? Have you been listening? It's 140 Jewish organizations that cover the entire spectrum of American Jews from liberal to conservative. Obviously, obviously, I I just read uh, Ben Shapiro came here to speak to the right to life group. He's a pro-life Jew. As soon as I said this, he says, they're not real Jews. They're not real Jews. Well, Ben, you're not the Pope. You, Claire, you said basically that they don't have a Pope. That is precisely the issue. So Ben can't excommunicate those other Jews because when it comes to issues like this, the majority rules. There's no other option when it comes to the Jews. They don't have a Pope. They don't have a magisterium. It has to be what the majority says. Right. So so you, you you are saying then that that um you do know that Orthodox Jews regard these Reform Jews as heretics, don't you? I, I know there are differences, and you can go into the Orthodox crowd, and you will find a rabbi there who will justify abortion. They will justify anything, anything. This is the lesson of the Talmud. They, 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 once you have the Talmud as your uh, religious uh, constitution. You can justify anything, and they do. Well, I think Muslims also are finding themselves in the position of, you know, two Muslims, three opinions, because they also want to fit into modern culture, having settled in the West. And, you know, they're they're told it's okay to be gay, it's okay to be, you know, all those things. And, And so fundamentally, the problem is still Western. You have... I mean, it wouldn't be fair to say, oh, you know, all white people, you you pump out this intersectionality all over the world. It's all your fault. Um, or, or, or would it be fair? Because a, a lot of things that you might be accusing Jews of doing, um, non-white people can accuse white people of doing. Which First is of all, white is a category of the mind that gets imposed for political purposes. Jew is a category of reality. So we're talking about something fundamentally different here. Well, because because Jews are, well, distinctive and legally defined. And they have been oh, distinctive ever since John wrote his gospel in Greek, and he used the word hoi judeoi 71 times in that gospel. What does this, that mean? The Jews. Okay. The Jews. It's the Greek word for the Jews. The, this means the Jews is a category of reality. 
It's not a category of the mind. There is an actual category of reality. This is always the contention because whenever you say the Jews, someone just say, accuses you of generalizing, and oh, you're an anti-Semite because you said the Jews. No, no, there is a category of reality. They know who they are. And uh, when Germany writes a reparations check, it's payable to the Jews. Okay, they collect those payments because they are a group called the Jews. Now, who determines who the Jew is? Well, it's the rich and powerful Jews, because that's always what it's been. It used to be called the Sanhedrin. Now it's major Jewish organizations like the ADL, the AJC. And the little Jews just get, you know, either you get the program, get with the program, or you're going to be left behind. So but but the Gentile could deal with this problem by saying, we're just going to ignore you now, um, liberal, conservative Jews. We're, we're just going to listen to the cannot, Orthodox Jews. We cannot ignore the Jews. OK, you're talking uh, as an English woman. Uh, tell that to Jeremy Corbyn. Who's been uh, Jeremy, accused of anti-Semitism. Jeremy, just ignore the Jews. Don't worry about it. Just no, no. I, I, I'm saying that the Gentiles have the option of favoring the Orthodox Jew over the liberal assimilated Jew. But but then the liberal assimilated Jew is is really the Jew that is kowtowing to modern culture and liberalism. Claire, Claire the I said from from the beginning we have had trouble. We've been making you've been making category mistakes throughout. The, the discussion we've had. I, I understand you're you're English, okay? You're 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 kind of handicapped when it comes to forming categories because of the legacy of William of Ockham. I understand this, but at a certain point we're going to have to wind this down. We've spoken for an hour, okay? I think we had we we said things that need to be said, but there's no point in beating a dead horse here because you're having trouble with categories. I understand. It's an English problem. I I'm hoping to create a 12-step program for recovering alchemists in England. But, <laughs> but, uh, and you'll be the first one I let into the program. But right thank now, you. right now, I think we're going to have to uh, come to the end. And, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, maybe we can discover, cover this, uh, continue the discussion some other time. I, I would love to. Thank you for coming here and explaining um, all you've You're explained. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.